want to think that I have a soft spot for Stephen King movies, um, but I probably do. I'm probably one of the few who actually found genuine enjoyment out of this film from start to finish. Now, I had, of course, my own dealings with it where there were certain things I didn't appreciate in a way. But I do love the story it's kind of going for. And if it's anything like the novel it's based on and it does it some sort of justice, then it's still totally worth it, in my opinion. Uh, This year's version of The Boogeyman, and I don't mean to say version as if this story by Stephen King has been done a bunch of times. I want to say that the novel um, is 40 years old, but it's only gotten this one film adaptation as far as I can tell. Any other boogeyman that's come out over the last, you know, 40 years since this novel came out, and there's been a lot of them, (laughs) there's been a lot of movies called Boogeyman or The Boogeyman or Fear the Boogeyman, all that random shit. It has nothing to do with this story, anything whatsoever. So um, when this was published, it wasn't picked up, and this is the first time it's being adapted based on that Stephen King version of the story. So how much of it is true? I don't know, but then again, it's also written probably in essence of that time. You know, if it's written in the late 70s, trying to translate that to a modern day audience can be difficult. You know, like when you're when they did when they redid it um, into the to the two part movies they did. I love those two movies. But when you think about which ones are more you know, accurate to the story. I can tell you I've read it. It's a long friggin' book. I did half of it reading, half of it audiobook. I went back and forth. And the older one from the 90s actually does a few things from the novel that the recent ones totally missed out on. And that's probably because they placed it in today's day and age in a way. You know, they set that timer instead of it being... 1965 and then it jumping to 1985 you know when the story was written and how when the 90s movie did something similar and they jumped to 90 and then flashed back to 1975 this film started in 1990 that's where the kids are from and then it jumped to 2017 you know following the 27 year um the 27 years later path so they modernized it slightly, but you also leave, you, you you run into leaving out so many things from the book as well. Now, granted, nobody is 100% accurate, and I dare to say any of them are 50% accurate. Like, they're very much so missing so many things from that story. So when you talk about Stephen King adaptations, and I've talked about a lot of them, You don't know what's changed, what he is accepting of, and what exactly it is that he wrote unless you go and you read it yourself, you know? He said that they made changes to his film The Mist, and he loved all those changes. Then again, you also hear about all the changes they made to The Shining, and he hates The Shining. So Stephen King is always vocal about what people do with his his work, and as far as I know, he loves this version too. He really does appreciate um, what Rob Savage uh, did and what his vision was for um, for his for directing this film. And now Rob Savage himself is a very new director. He's only had like three other films under his belt. One is kind of a no name from like ten years ago, but as of 2020, he had released a film called 
Host, which was a Shutter original, and then he also did Dash Cam a year and a half ago, uh, which kind of got middling of the lane in reviews. But Host is like well well known in the horror community, and everybody loves it. It's close to like a ninety nine on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Like if you go to Rotten Tomatoes and look up Host from twenty twenty one or twenty two, um, no. Dashcam is earlier, so uh, Host would be from 2020. So look up Host 2020 Rob Savage. It's a 99 on Rotten Tomatoes. So, and Dashcam as well, even though it's got like middle of the ground, a lot of people really do like it and recommend it. I actually have both of those films on my list to watch at some point. And if anything I get from Rob Savage is going to be like what he gave me for The Boogeyman, I'm going to be really excited about it. And I'm excited to see him do more and hopefully... You know, this didn't do that poorly where his track record isn't that good. But I think he's going to be able to keep going and keep making some more stuff. And truthfully speaking, I hope that's true. So I digressed a little bit into a little bit of the film's backstory and where we're coming from when it comes to this, just because I have an appreciation for this film. So what is it about? Essentially, it's about a family who's grieving a loss. There's uh, a father with his two daughters. They're kind of grieving the mother who had died in a car accident. He's a therapist, but he refuses to seek therapy himself after his mother's passing. So he sends his two daughters to seek therapy. One's a rebellious teenager. The other's a naive eight-year-old, I think. I'm really bad with ages. It could be that she's eight. It could be that she's ten. I can't really tell if they ever mention it in the film but i do know that the older daughter is in high school she's around like 16 17 and of course she's being sort of rebellious because she's feels like she's mourning her loss on her own and the father isn't really doing much about it which honestly speaking he doesn't portray himself in any way shape or form as mourning or feeling a type of I guess, loss in a way, except for the fact that, you know, he is grieving his in his own way by not grieving, just feeling like he has to keep pushing forward. So you see that dynamic a lot between all of them. Uh, it's got Sophia Thatcher. She plays the oldest daughter. Uh, some people might recognize her from Yellow Jackets. It's got uh, Chris Messina. He plays the father. I know him from the newsroom on HBO. I don't know if anybody else knows him from anything other than that. And I don't know who the little girl is, uh, but David, uh, I'm not, I'll never pronounce his name, David Dashmalchien, if anybody knows who that actor is, he's been around in a lot of things, he's one of the friends in Ant-Man, he played the, um, the Dot in Suicide Squad, he's in this, he plays the father of a family who fell victim to the Boogeyman. So what is the Boogeyman as it portrays in this film? Well... It feeds off fears in a way, and what it does is it kind of just lurks in the darkness, infests itself into a family's home, and then eventually steals the kids, or kills the kids. So what happens is, there's the father from a character's family who is dealing with that. He sort of visits the um, the Christmasina ther- uh, character for therapy, and tells him or tries to explain to him what happened to them. And I don't know if that like passes the curse along to them, or it's just that they're unlucky that he happens to walk into the house that um, is the next in line in a way. Like there's no explanation to who the boogeyman chooses. He just goes uh, 
all across, you know, different houses, or I guess to maybe where there's grief or there's loneliness in a way, and he feeds off that initially. But they open up the film with him killing like a toddler, you know, which again is a bold move. It's a bold move to not only, you know, it make the innuendo of killing a child, but to do it within the first like five minutes of a film. And that's what they do in this film, which already sets you up for what you could possibly expect out of the rest of the movie. It doesn't get that crazy, but it is still really scary in the sense that it plays well with darkness. It does a lot with darkness and color and the smart use of light. So once this guy leaves, the girls start experiencing stuff. And of course, they don't really tell each other. And then before, there's only one that believes it. And then the other one kind of experiences it. So the two girls, they're together. And the father's pretty much absent, which is a very weird thing because they all live in the same house. How the father is absent 90% of the time. Like, you don't see him. He doesn't hear any of this stuff, apparently. So he doesn't, like, come out of his bedroom. I don't know why that's the case. That's That's kind of a really big plot hole, which, again, I feel like that's one of the things that people might take away and go, eh, that's, that sucks. You know, you don't, you can't really leave these plot holes open like that. Like, where's the father? Show me him getting shit face hammered and passing out. Show me him. This, how is he coping with the loss of his wife? He's taking pills and he's passing out. Give me a reason why he's just not there 90% of the time. And the boogeyman character is creepy as hell. Anytime you sort of see his silhouette, it's done with a real trick of the lighting that is just very, very well positioned. And the little girl, actually, she has one of those moon globes that act like a nightlight. So she uses that a lot to kind of play with lighting up the darker areas and kind of being the beacon through the majority of the darkness. Because, of course, they live in this huge house. And another thing I'm happy about is that they didn't make it where this is a house that's possessed by the boogeyman. It's just the next house that's possessed by the boogeyman. Because eventually, the teen daughter uh, remembers that this dude stopped by the house, finds out where he lives, because they were essentially blamed for the death of their son. Because the boogeyman only goes after kids. So they get blamed for the death of their son. They stay in the house. The house gets further infested. There's a whole bunch of candles, and the wife is there. She's lost her mind. She's toting a shotgun. She's setting the booby traps to catch this creature that really can't be seen because it lurks in the darkness. But it is still a creature that can be handled. So, of course, they, as it progresses, they try to learn a little bit more here and there. Um, the, the crazy wife with the shotgun sort of helps a little bit, but then she winds up kidnapping the teenage daughter, and using her as bait, sort of gets the creature, sort of doesn't. But then the daughter like goes back to the house because she has to protect her family. And this is around the time where the father starts learning that they were telling the truth and they really meant it. So now they have to, you know, rid the house of the boogeyman at least. So that's how the story progresses. I don't want to give too much away because I do think it's worth watching. I think it's a perfect film for the Halloween season. Like... How do you not watch a film titled The Boogeyman during Halloween? Like, that's prime time. That's like not watching, you know, Home Alone for Christmas or or Gremlins for Christmas. You know, it, it, that's like any other combination of films. The Boogeyman during Halloween is the perfect match made in heaven. It's marshmallows and hot chocolate. So you should totally give this film a chance if you didn't, regardless of what anybody else has to say. I'm telling you, it's totally worth it. The Boogeyman that was written by Stephen King 
whether or not this is true to it, this is probably the best version of any boogeyman out there in my, you know, critical film theory opinion. And I'm saying that when I haven't watched any of them, but you, you can't deny there's a lot. There are at least 40 other films with the title Boogeyman in it that you might get confused about. But make sure if we try to find this one, it's this year's 2023 version that's based on the Stephen King novel. Hopefully you don't get caught up in any other bullshit of a different film with that name. I've had that happen to me before. Do your best to find this one if you're really going to look for it. 